And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of 1% Better. I'm Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer. But enough about us. It's not about us today. We have a guest. So we're sharing our platform, so graciously sharing our platform here. Uh, but a guy you may have heard of before, um, Zach, this guy, he's all right. He, he's all right in my book. Um, tell the people who we have today, Zach. Yeah, one of the good guys, one of the all-time favorites from my end in terms of talking to guys in the locker room, Colts running back Naheem Hines. And it sounds crazy to say this, Colts fifth-year running back Naheem Hines. Wow. Part of that stellar 2000. 18 draft class. He's like the old man in the room now. Marlon Mack has gone. JT's coming up, but you still got him by a couple of years. Um, when I say fifth year running back, does that sound crazy to you? Yeah, it does sound crazy. Um, actually, we had a walkthrough yesterday, and uh, my coach didn't have any of the coaching points, and I did everything right. And he was like, I love when you guys just go up there and just be right with all the details. And my exact response was, man, I haven't been here five years for nothing. So, uh, yeah, it's been a uh, I can't believe it's been this long and I'm I'm young but old. So it's been interesting. Did, did you ever think you'd like have a, a lengthy NFL career? Like I know as a kid, everybody dreams about that kind of stuff. But then as you get older, you, you start to at some point realize how hard that is, right? To stay around. I mean, right. just is, do you marvel at that at all? Uh, I think I'm supposed to be here. And every day I wake up and thank the Lord, like, for allowing me to do what I love every day, but uh, me being here five years, uh, I thought, I think, uh, obviously the hardest thing is, it's easy to get here, but the hardest thing is to stay. And I think uh, just for the, my, my unique skill set and things like that, I think um, as long as I can just keep doing what I'm doing and getting better, hopefully I'll be able to stick around. I definitely don't think of you as an older player, even though you've been here five years and we talk about the average career being two to three years. I, it feels like you're just, tipping the iceberg and what you could do. And we'll get into that in a minute, but you know, we, we talked a lot about this. You're a fifth year player right now. If you could talk to yourself as a rookie coming in, in that 2018 class, what would the fifth year Naheem Hines tell the rookie Naheem Hines about what is coming up? Well, I'll, be tell, I'll probably tell them to slow down and just enjoy the ride. And uh, honestly, that every day isn't as bad as you think it is, as long as you don't make it that bad. Um, you have to have a short memory here. And I think that's really the biggest thing. You have a bad day here, don't let it go to the next day because really the, the last day doesn't matter because you put it behind you, you watch the film, and once you watch that film, you have to have a quick memory and flush it, and flush it away. So I think that's what I would tell them. Nothing lasts forever, and uh, every day is a new opportunity. Didn't you have, like, drop issues that first year, right? You remember that? Uh, we were talking yeah. about that? Well, I don't know. We, yeah, I mean, we yeah, I characterize I it that way, right? Yeah, I remember. Sure. I remember. See, I, even back then, I remember even thinking about it and, like, even the, all the, everybody talking about it and what did I do? I muffed a punt. It was kind of bad luck, like, honestly. It was, I muffed a punt. 
Um, I got the ball back. Then uh, actually, I went to I actually went to get away from the ball, and the ball bounced to hit me. And then in the next game, I fumbled. So it was just bad. But unfortunately, that's what happens when you're a returner. It just happened to me kind of fast. Right. And, and I think and you learned. Short memory like, came into play there. Is what is what I'm saying. That's right. good. Uh, honestly, I wish it would have came in better because I. I mean, obviously, it was hard. Obviously, when I was young and I was younger and trying so hard, and even just like in a locker room and just like hearing people talk about her, like waking up every day and having a uh, seeing Twitter, Instagram, it was really annoying. But you, you learned. You said you 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 jumped off social media. You just like, yeah, well, like I'm going to get away from that. I think that's. A, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a fun period in your career, but I'm sure it was a good lesson early on because. That can be toxic for a lot of players if that stuff seeps into your mind. That That is probably the exact reason I am where I am because, uh, honestly, most of the people that said stuff about me, I remember it and I highlighted it and screenshotted it. So it's probably where we are to, where we are today. When people talk junk about me, I don't hold grudges, but I do remember. So, like, all the people that are talking bad about me and all the people who are like, oh, and I can't return the punt. Oh, best believe I still remember it, and that's probably where we are where we are today. Nice. So let's talk about – the draft briefly, not this draft, but your draft, um, you, you get the call. Um, obviously it's a huge day in your life. What do you, what's like the defining memory for you of draft day since, you know, it's that season figured we talked about mm-hmm. my draft experience is interesting. I had a, so for my agent and uh, my agent from a lot of people, I, we had good intel that I would probably be like, you know, third round top 100 pick. So I had a draft party, you know, that night I played Fortnite and didn't get drafted. So I, I remember the next day, you know, uh, I didn't even do anything. I actually was in my pajamas and I was folding up clothes. And actually, I didn't have the TV on. And uh, my sister told me Indianapolis number was calling. It happened to be the Colts. Um, I talked to Chris Ballard, who was the general manager. Uh, and then I talked to Frank Reich. I didn't know who Frank Reich was at the time because, you know, he had just left Philly. He was offensive coordinator. And uh, I was excited for the opportunity. I remember uh, coming here and uh, thinking I was going to be in, be in go to Philly. And then when I started looking at Frank, and obviously I didn't really know all the things because, you know, when you're getting drafted and stuff, there's 32 guys. I didn't talk to the Colts at all before. So then I started looking at Frank's history, and I said, dang, like, I can make this work. Like, I thought I was going to Philly, and I still really did end up here because we got their coordinator. And I think that was just, you know, kind of my brief thoughts and uh, just how I came in just with a right mindset and hopeful. With folding clothes, huh? Folding clothes. Hmm? You were yeah, I was folding really folding clothes. Like, I, was, I, was, I was a little bit mad. I'm not going to lie. Because even uh, that was a year, like, you know, like a couple of teams I thought were going to draft me, some stuff happened. They traded up and like had to get yeah. other positions. So, yeah, I was a little bit mad about it, but it's all right. That's kind of why I picked four times. That's why I picked 42, my first number. Nice. There was eight running backs ahead of me. And uh, honestly, I didn't get any great number choices here. So, uh, <laughs> till, till, uh we got a uh, till 21 got, got open. Didn't you get a text or a call from Tom Rathman that day as well? And I'm sure you didn't. Oh, I'm sure man. it wasn't the first thing in your mind, but he was like, he was like, hey, if you don't know who I am, Google me. I'm going to be your new coach. Yes. He was, yeah, he told me about it. He told me about it. And he goes, yeah, I'm Tom Rathman. Uh, I play 49ers. So as, as he's talking to me, I'm looking him up. As soon as he's a Tom Rathman, I play with the 49ers. I'm on speakerphone looking him up. And then he's like, Google me. So I Google him. Then uh, his YouTube highlights come up. And uh, I start looking at what he was doing to people. And I was like, geez, I'm in trouble. I hope he doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he was a great coach. Coach Rathman was physical. He was literally how he was. I guess on the phone, when I met him on day one on the phone, he literally was the exact same that he was the day he retired. So <laughs> what's your best Rathman story? You've got to have a good one. Man, I have so many Rathman stories. Uh, I don't really, I don't know my best Rathman story. I don't know. I think my best Rathman story would just be kind of impersonating him because he was different, like how he would just tell us certain things or uh I think, honestly, I think my best story was him 
Brian honestly telling me, like, even though I was a small guy telling me how to pass block, I have so many pass blocking stories him headbutting me in the head with, with my helmet on and him showing me how to do it. Like, so uh, I probably my best. He's story not wearing a helmet and you are. Yes, and he would, still, he oh, my gosh. So I was sure he, the way he used to teach it, we, you know, you put your forehead on the guy's chin or whatever. So he used to do that to me, like, because obviously I'm a shorter guy and I, I played receiver for two years in college. So I didn't get to pass block as much as other running backs coming out. So, like, and you know, Ralph was a hands on coach. So he used to really like, and like headbutt me like with his head like crazy but that's like he would demonstrate and he would always like hit you and be okay so I think that's probably and I think his his demonstrations probably helped me in life because there's no way to learn and especially football other than hands on and seeing it <laughs> he uh good story he did the same thing with Frank Reich in his interview with Frank for the job and headbutted Frank on accident in the interview so and still got go. hired there you go Frank yeah, probably had a cut on like his face out. It works out. I'm telling you, Rath was a great Rath was a, Rath had his way of doing things. But if you could just not worry about that and get the coaching points done and don't take personal like you're not supposed to do in the NFL, Rath's a great coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we kind of hit on something similar to this earlier. But, you know, when we were talking about, you know, the advice the 50 year player would give you know, yourself as a rookie player. I'm wondering, thinking back to, you know, there's this whole crew of rookies, you know, hundreds of guys coming in the league this year. What do you think as a rookie in that stage of your life and your career, what was the biggest challenge for you, particularly off the field? Because like your whole life has changed, right? And now you're on your own and you have all this responsibility, expectations from the team, everything. Um, now people know who you are, et cetera. So just what do you recall, like, as being like the, the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge is just your life, like people. Um, first off, it doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or undrafted. As soon as you're going to NFL, everybody thinks you're just a millionaire and rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all know how contracts work. First off, like most of us aren't rich. We have money and we have to keep working until we can get generational money. Right. And uh, I think really it's just the lifestyle changes. Obviously, you're not going to be in college anymore. So when you leave the building here, you don't have class. You can just do whatever you want to do. I think that's the biggest change. Just try to figure out how you can stay focused. Maybe, you know, have fun a little bit, but not get too carried away. We see a lot of guys get carried away. I think really it's just focusing on like, you know, your your relationships with people, girlfriends and uh, people asking you for money. Like those are probably the three things and just maintaining a level head. And even though you're having success and, you know, you just got here to remain level headed because you're about to go into the NFL where there's guys who make a lot more money than you. There's guys like when I got here, there's guys like T.Y. Hilton, doesn't matter how good I'm feeling about myself. You're not as decorated as people like that. So you have to take a slice of humble pie, even though everybody in your life outside of the building is kind of hyping you up, telling you how good you are. I just want to just kind of drill down on that just a little bit, because having done this a long time, I've grown to appreciate just like the the difference between, you know, the, the top paid guys in the locker room and the guy like yourself as a fourth round pick coming in, you're just like, man, I hope my signing bonus can like, you know, pay my rent. Shoot, you yeah. Know? So even though I got a contract, I'm still not a top paid guy. It is, I mean, <laughs> right. I got my money, but you know how it is. There's right. quarterbacks right. and stuff in here. So it makes you like think about it differently, especially coming in the fourth round. Shoot, that's pretty good money. It could be, yeah. I could have got drafted later. So it's, uh, I guess I'm kind of in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the guys who got a lot of guys who maybe didn't get as much. So I'm kind of in the middle of it. So I guess I kind of see it from that perspective. Yeah. And I think if you if you start to think you've made it, that's probably a dangerous thought process. I'm curious how the contract negotiation was like from your end last summer. You know, they signed Darius to a big extension. They signed Braden Smith. Yours got done, I think, two days before the opener. The day I, I signed say, the contract on September 11th. Yeah. And so played on the 12th. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you a guy that was like, hey, 
to my agent, like, you just handle it. I don't want to be involved. I want to be involved. And then when you signed, was it relief? Was it motivation? Was it like, I need to go buy this and treat myself? Or was it like, I remember Peyton Manning's famous words, you know, what are you going to do with all this money? He said, I'm going to go earn it. How did you respond to that whole process? I was going to go earn it. Um, throughout the process, my agent kind of, I didn't really talk to, I didn't really talk to Chris or uh, Frank or much about it. Uh, my agent did it for me. Uh, my agent kind of updated me every couple of days or told me what I needed, to, what he needed to tell me. And then when we got everything done, honestly, that was the worst thing for me. Guinness signing it the day before. I mean, it's not bad. It was a blessing, but y'all know how I am. As soon as I sign it, I'm like, dang, we got a game tomorrow. Now everybody's talking about this contract. I can't go out here and mess up. And I think that's how I was kind of like all last year, just, uh, Really, that uh, obviously you work. I worked these three years to get this contract, but the three-year contract is in advance of what I'm supposed to do these next three years, and that's what how I look forward, look look at it, and I look forward to that challenge of earning everything that I get. Hmm. Um, now on the field, you know, you have, I think you and, and Frank Reich both have talked about how, like, you are you you prefer to be viewed, and he definitely views you as well as your coach. As a you're a standard running back, you are not a gadget player. You're not a you know this or that or whatever people want to call you. Um, does that ever make you feel marginalized when you you hear that? I know that's I don't think that's something that you love, and you have proven right. You've ri- you've run between the tackles. You've done the whole job description repeatedly year in and year out, and you kind of still get that label. Does it bug you at all? Honestly, in five years, I don't care what nobody has to say about me because at first, if I play running back, I'm too small. Then if I play receiver, my arms are too long or whatever. And then I just start realizing there's a lot of people who have a lot to say about me who aren't mm-hmm. doing my job. So really, even when people label me, I really don't care as long as the people in the building. And honestly, most of my life, I've kind of was not struggled, but I've been kind of hearing it, kind of took it to heart. But at this point, I've been hearing I'm too short my whole life. I've been hearing me being 195 pounds like every down back. And all this stuff. So honestly, truthfully, I really don't care. People kind of say what they want to. But at this point in my life, I've been hearing it forever and I kind of don't care. I imagine you were probably a small guy coming up in high school, right? I mean, you, you were probably I mean, in high school. Guy, right? I'm trying to think. I played, a, I played a, my varsity year. I started as a freshman. I played, I was 5'9", 160. Probably graduated <laughs> high school at like 5'9", 185. I probably weighed 5 to 10 pounds more than I did in high school. But honestly, even all these sizes and stuff, that sounds good. But people also, first off, still have to catch me. And then when you do, it's still not hard to tackle me. So even though I'm not a power back, it's not like people are just wrapping me up anyways because they have a whole other problem. So honestly, I'm starting to realize that uh, people, no matter what, people try to put you in a box. And uh, if you don't know who you are in your life, people put a label on you. So I, I don't care what people labels put on me. I don't play like it and I know what I can do. I feel like some of your best runs have been like a gap runs, B gap runs, like the Buffalo playoff game a couple of years ago. Like that team, you guys were down. I want to say 10 points in the second half and you had two big runs to pull them back in it. And everyone forgets because it wasn't in the end of the game, but um, favorite win in the last couple of years. And what was the toughest loss in the last couple of years? Um, favorite win. You could say the birthday game in Tennessee. You could say it. I won't. I won't hold it against you. No, I'll say that one. But I think, I think my be- like I'd say that one. But the best one was Houston. The last time I went to playoffs and won my rookie year. Like, mm. and looking back on it now, it's like, dang, Naheem. After my rookie year with Andrew and you know, that's when Houston beat us and they won the division. We went down there and won. If you said, dang, Naheem, you wouldn't have won a playoff game since then. Like, dang. Like, and then I had to wait two years. We waited two years ago to Buffalo and we lost in the wild card. So I think just 
doing all that. I remember how the plane ride was like, even a plane ride, the plane ride hasn't, well, it was, it's been great, but like just remembering all of that and then uh, realizing like it's a moment you won't get back until. Cause even like Costanzo and Andrew even said that, like, they were like, look, you go to the playoffs and win a game. You never know if you're going to do it again. Like a lot, like a lot of the older guys kind of told me that and here I am four years now and we still haven't won a playoff game since then. So, uh, that's really you thought you're gonna be back every year. You thought it's yeah, just, man, it's like, just how it goes. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, of man. You look at our team the past four years since we've been here, man. Every year it was a playoff team, and uh, every year it's, it hasn't been like that. So that's one thing that we're gonna make sure we finish. And then probably the worst loss. It's probably the last one. Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, Jacksonville. Unless you say good. different. Uh, Jacksonville's bad, bro. But I mean, we have bad history there, so you can say it's bad, but it's history. <laughs> like until we until we go down there and win, I can't even say it's bad. I'd probably say Baltimore. Baltimore was bad too because it was or Tennessee, but both those just came from not finishing. Like, and that's football is a game of matchups, and Jacksonville's obviously had our number, and we have to figure out how to get that out and figure find ways because obviously we haven't played good in Jacksonville since what 2014. So outside of that, I would say probably Baltimore because we were up. I was just talking to somebody about this. We're up 22 to three with 12 minutes left. We don't find a way to win that game. And that was. No, actually, the worst one might have been the Saints. The Saints was bad. Actually, I'm changing to that one. I still have. <laughs> I was at Caesars. Caesars uh, what is it? The Mercedes. I don't know what it's called now. But I was in New Orleans this year. I'm Super still having flashbacks yeah. about that game. Like that just was like was never close. Monday Night Football is 34 to zero. And we score at the end of the game. That was embarrassing. Yeah, both those are bad. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those pride games where your pride really gets checked, doesn't it? The New Orleans game was tough. That was a – I even – that game was, like – that game was so bad. Like, we even – Rad, like, our meeting even started different. Like, even Rad, like, he just told us straight up, like, yeah, we we wanted dogs in here. Y'all playing, like, a bunch of spoiled girls. Like, he just said, like, something (laughs) like that, like a bunch of spoiled girls or whatever he said. Actually, put that part out. But he said some uh, very, very explicit words to us. (laughs) That doesn't sound like Rathman at all. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like, to start that meeting, before we even turn on the film, he said some very, very explicit words to us. And uh, it's probably about the next week we played so well at Carolina because we really, uh, after that game, we really got checked. And it was, Mm. it was real. Mm. Um, So here's something I'm wondering about. This kind of kind of random but like going back to what i said earlier about like when you're when you come into the league you kind of have to manage yourself and be responsible one of the things you have to do is you have to manage like your your lifestyle and your body and what you eat and and all those kinds of things um i have i remember ty hilton telling us probably halfway through his career he was still eating like lucky charms and like shit like that you know it's like dude it's good for you though okay i don't believe you but whatever i mean so like (laughs) I eat a lot of cereal. Like uh, they one of the number one things I eat is cereal or rice or spaghetti because all those even sugars is carbs. Uh-huh. Okay, like, well what like, cereals though? Uh, uh frosted flakes, cinnamon toast crunch, uh lucky charms. Okay. Did you clear this with the Colts dietitian? Yeah, I talked so I talked to Rusty, the uh, you know that he's a guru. We call him yes. I call him Beanie. So he's the one that told me to eat Frosted Flakes. He even gave me the story of Devin Hester. So he was working with Devin Hester. He told me he used to feed sh- Devin Hester to sh- uh, sugar and make him eat Frosted Flakes and stuff. So oh ever God. since he told me that's what he does with Devin Hester, I mean, I've kind of been on it because I'd like to be Devin Hester. And then uh, I kind of talked to my nutritionist, and, you know, she starts talking about reading the labels and stuff. And uh, it, it all seems to check out so far. Okay, see, now I'm glad I asked. Okay, so, <laughs> so, and so it's uh, better. But I'm burning a lot of calories, eat. right? That's part yeah. of it, I guess. Right. And cereal's easier to eat than, let's say, like a steak or something. Like sometimes a pregame meal, I'm not even hungry. So if I can eat, yeah. eat some cereal, get the milk, because the milk is a protein. 
the cereals, the carbs, and your sugars and stuff. And then you drink you an, some up another protein shaker, a Gatorade protein shake and stuff. And that's a liquid diet. So you don't even have to cause all the look, all look, all athletes, you know, like sometimes on Sunday, you can't eat the way you want to eat. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Darius up. eats before the game at all. I don't hardly eat at all. Like sometimes, like it's not even like even now. It's like now it's in the fifth year. It's nerves, but it's like I don't know why I can't eat. So at sometimes, like either you have to go liquid diet. Like you have to drink some naked the naked drinks, mm-hmm. uh, eat some cereal, protein shakes. I've done that a lot. Interesting. What, <laughs> what about like uh, recovery? That's like I mean, you take such a beating, especially at your position, and you what take you- this stuff seriously. You told yeah. me about this before. Yeah, you know, I mean, like Darius is sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber, you know, with his ankle yeah, last year. Oh, okay. So I go, to, I, go to, I go to Darius' house and use use his. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think uh, really with that with recovery, it's kind of just um, how knowing your body. Like for me, I get a lot of needles. Uh, I get two or three massages a week. Uh, Rusty's currently stretching me, and I normally have a rule that like every day when I run before I leave, somebody has to rub my legs. Like, this is how I am. I like to keep my babies, my the money makers right. So that's kind of what I do. And then even when I go home, I take an Epsom salt bath every day and watch film or whatever I do. But that's a good time to go home and just relax for 20 minutes and just decompress. Naheem, did you have an idea last year? I remember watching training camp and, and thinking to myself, JT and Michael Pittman are the, are the best players on this offense right now. Did you have a sense that JT was going to bust out like he did. Like, you know, the position, you see it every day. Did you see 1,800 yards or was it just an explosion? So, absolutely. I mean, uh, oh, Amber's phone. Uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, I saw it. I mean, shoot, let's be real. We start out better on the ball better the first two games. He has 2,000 yards. So, uh, yeah, from, my, from uh, 2020 to 2021, I knew the jump would be big. Everybody saw it. Um, First off, he's a running back. We like to run the ball. So you know the opportunities are coming, especially just going off of 2020, 2020 going to 2021. We we already like, okay, this rookie's legit. Like he's gonna get some more carries this year. Then, you know, he starts rolling. You know, we looking, we're looking at it now. Like we have nine, 10 games in a row where he had like 130, 150, 200 yard games. And uh we all saw it. <laughs> Great player. And Pittman, yeah, we we, we saw it like with Pittman, obviously as a receiver, you can see the ability early. You just have, as a receiver, it's a little bit different than running back because so many more route techniques, so much more out wide, you know, it's so many more routes and things that you have to come around to. Whereas running back, you have to figure out protection. And then once you figure out the run scheme, you get the ball and you do what you, you do, what you do, which JT is very good at. But Pittman to see him step into the role he is now has been great. Even his routes and just seeing how he's leading some of the other guys. Cause this is second or third year. Wait, is this third year? It's third year. It's third, yeah. third year. And he's out there acting like he's year five and six helping out other guys who may be our age or older if he, if he sees it. And that's where he's stepping into the number one and a leader position. Now, speaking of veteran players, um, I'm curious about your new quarterback, Matt Ryan, and, and just what your interactions with him have been like, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of comparisons to Peyton Manning, not as a player, but as, the way they conduct themselves. What's it been like, you know, that you guys are starting to kind of get out on the field and work together, lots of meetings, et cetera. Uh, what are your first impressions? It's been a pleasure to work with him so far. Uh, one thing that stands about him, he's deadly accurate. Like you could probably be 30 yards away and be like, Matt, hit this sign. I think he'll hit it on the money. <laughs> so, uh, I, and then really he's very, very intense and he's a great guy. But uh, the coolest thing about him is just seeing him interact with everybody. Like he'll go in there and after the practice, he'll dap us up and he sees a coaching point or something. He'll tell us there. If something comes to his mind, he'll tell us. And uh, he's just on it. And we're on that field. That's He's a commander. He's telling us how we want things. And uh, 
one thing that's cool about Matt is like even he talks about our routes, but he even talks about what he needs to do. He'll be like, yo, on this route, you gotta do this. But then after that, I gotta give you a good ball and put it on my on your front shoulder or whatever he has to do. And then he does it. So I think with him, it's uh I obviously I didn't play with Peyton, but he gives me real like Phillip Rivers vibes. It's uh mm-hmm. You know, we play with a lot of quarterbacks. He's an old veteran guy coming in. He's hungry, very, very hungry. Uh, he got, he has a lot of juice left in the tank. And I think he's going to lead us and be great to us. He's, he seems demanding, which in a good way. It's like, it's like yeah, it's demanding like how Phillip was. I, I don't know yeah. how Peyton was, but I know when yeah. Phillip came in here, Phillip probably knew the offense a little bit better. But, like, mm-hmm. he demands. And uh, it's not a bad demand, but it's like, oh, we got to sure. curl out. We got to curl out. We need to do this, 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 this. And then the ball's coming. And we got to do them things. And he'll let you know what it is. And when we don't do it, He'll remind you and hold you accountable. And if you, and he's one of the quarterbacks. Look, if you got to stay out there and practice and do that a hundred times, he'll do it until we get it right. And that's one thing he has. He has a great work ethic. Awesome. Naheem, I know you're a, uh, we know you're a team guy and your role has fluctuated the last couple of years. And you've been asked about this and Frank and, and Ursay and, and Chris, they've all talked about getting you more action next year. We've, we've talked about this before. How do you balance the two sides of it between like you want to win, like you want to be a team guy and you know that you have JT in front of you and, and he's going to get a bulk of the carries with also like the season didn't end well last year. You didn't get as many touches as you wanted. And the team is better when you're more involved. How do you balance those discussions and that sort of dilemma where it's like, hey, if you get me more involved, we're going to have more success. I think that's been proven over time. Yeah, well, I mean, some of the discussions, I think my agent just talks to him and then uh I, we talk, and uh, I try not to talk to Frank too much. Well, I, right now we have a good understanding of what we both want and both sides of the goals. And uh, after that, we kind of just, I guess, I'm trying to think of the word, kind of like goal set. And then after that, we really don't have much to talk about because I don't, I'm not going to be in Frank's face while he has a whole game to call and off-season plan to do. And then after that, I just pray to the Lord. And one thing I do know is uh, I pray to the Lord, and I go out there every day and. Uh, I'm going out there trying to kill everybody because if there's any doubt and they don't want to call it, I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna go out there and try to give them a reason to call the play. That's only if it works. It doesn't matter. I mean, the roles and stuff, the roles and stuff fluctuate. But when you go out there and put stuff on tape every day, you just have to. Uh, you just have to keep working until you don't have to introduce yourself no more. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. It doesn't matter kind of what my role is. I'm gonna go out there and earn it every day and practice and make the defense pay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Do you um, do you enjoy the or let me rephrase that? Um, does it appeal to you to to play a little more of a standard receiver role? Not like full time, but I'm saying, but like if you, I don't know who your slot receiver is. Maybe it's you, you know, for somewhat, right? Could I be. don't know. Like, no does that appeal to you? Receiver. No, I don't even care about moving receiver. I mean, I play running back. I'm not the biggest guy. Who knows? If I play ten years, I might have to. And uh, for me, I think with me, uh, options are always open. Uh, one thing is I do – one thing I want to do is make this team better. If I have the mood to receiver to do that, if that's what I have to do to me for me to be on the field with JT more, that's what I got to do. I mean, I've always been one of those players that uh, obviously I'm not a starter. And uh, even in college, my role is different. So I've always been one of those guys that got to just do what they got to do. So I'm going to do what I got to do to make sure I'm out on that field and get the ball. Cool. What is uh, What is one thing we don't know or the fans don't know about Jonathan Taylor or T.Y. Hilton or Quentin Nelson? T.Y.'s name is Eugene. <laughs> his birthday, we're both Scorpios. His birthday is November 14th. His birthday is two days Wait, are you November uh, 12th? Uh-huh. Ah, uh, you're in good company. This guy. <laughs> there you go. See, I, you know what? See? I like you guys. You, y'all, y'all been some of my favorite guys over the years. I've always liked y'all. You were uh, meant Quentin to be on Nelson. this podcast. See? Let's see. <laughs> Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson likes red wine. He's a red wine guy. I, I would have suggested Bud Light. Okay, I didn't know that. I mean, that did, I, I, mean, did he, I mean, no, no, he no, he does like his Bud Lights, but like, okay, just making sure the world is still okay. no, 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 just making sure all is good. Yeah, but no, nah, he, he likes some red wine. All right. Uh, okay. What was the last person? Uh, uh, JT. JT. Is, is JT as nice as he seems? Because he seems like he's like the nicest guy ever. JT's nice. No, JT's a great guy. Nice. He's probably nicer than me. Like, I want to just hear, junk. like, a story about... I talk J- more junk than JT. Uh, I, I want somebody to, like, give me a story about Jonathan Taylor being an asshole, like, once in his life, okay? Like... Okay, so, I'll give you, so it's not him being an asshole, but I'll give you something that's probably some good content. Um, I can't remember what game it was. It was probably, like, week eight or week... I don't know. There was one... Oh, it was Houston. We played Houston at home. Uh, JT was obviously having a good year, and uh, I think it's when... Isn't Houston, like, when JT really first start kind of going off? This, like the Houston, the Houston one. Uh, All I remember this it was year or last like, year, last twenty twenty one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like okay. he had a good. He might have had a good game before them, but Houston was like really the first game where he started going off, right? Yeah. Okay. So this it okay, was, it was definitely at the at the front end of that stretch. Yeah. That was the front end. Yeah. So okay, this is yeah. this is a good story. So JT obviously JT was going off that game, and then uh, I remember I think in the third or fourth quarter he has a touchdown. He scores a touchdown, and the guy hits him like 
tries to, you know, he makes a DB, hits him, like DB hits him. And JT kind of like, he doesn't look at him, but you know, you know how the NFL is. He kind of went like that and flexed. And I was like, dang, like, this is the first time I've seen JT kind of do anything like that. Like, he must not be, in, he must not, he must think he's back in Wisconsin. I only right. told him that. I was like, dang, okay, so I see you're flexing now. Like, you think you're back at Wisconsin. He kind of smiled at me and then, you know, proceeded to the, proceeded to go crazy the rest of the year. And I think that was kind of the coolest things. He was like, I got a good week this week, Heem. Like, he always calls me Heem. He's like, Heem, I think I might perform 50 this week. I'm like, I think he So he too. does, he does know how good he is. Okay. No, it's not that. He says it's a good opportunity. I might have said 150, but he's like, Heem, I think it's a good week. He always says, he never says a yard. Right. He'd be like, Heem, I think I'm going to break one this week. So he's feeling it when he's feeling yeah, it. He'll, he'll feel it. Like, you know, running yeah. backs, like, even the Panthers did. Like, I had a feeling like a good day. Sometimes you know. Yeah. Like, so some yeah. days, like the Houston day, he was like, Heem, like, I'm going to break one today. Then he flexed. I was like, okay, he's back in Wisconsin. Yeah. And then he kind of joked and then he proceeded to, you know, have the 1800 or 2000 all purpose or scrimmage yards. And wow. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you when you're a guy who touches the ball, and you know this, right? You you have days, you have moments when you feel it, right? I mean, it's like it's a basketball thing, right? And I guess yep. like when you're hot, like right? some days so. in your football, I like I wake up and I just know I'm gonna have a good day. Like Tennessee mm-hmm. on my birthday, like I woke up that day and I was like, oh, I just there are a couple of games this year, right? Like Tennessee and the Panthers game for sure. Like as soon as I just touched the field, it just felt right. Gotcha. So yeah. I'm sure I'm sure JT has. Well, I mean, every week was like that for JT, but I'm sure JT has days like that as well. <laughs> so this is a very random question, but I know this happens. How often do people either on social media or in person bug you about fantasy football? Oh, I hate fantasy football because of social media. <laughs> I figured. Yeah, so all, all the, the time. Can, yes, like um you can really look at my Instagram comments right now and somebody's talking about it. Like I remember uh, Houston. We won Houston, we won the Houston game in the playoffs in the wild card game. I remember I posted a picture and somebody was like zero yards rushing, like zero carries. Like, are you at least going to try to have impact on the game? Dude, I can't control if I get the ball or not. And, like, I get stuff like that all the time. And uh, actually, the coolest thing about fantasy football is now apparently the Panthers game, I had won a lot of fantasy football championships. So I, I got, I've raised some money for MDA and donated some money. But more times than not, I hate it because, you know, people are talking about all the stuff I didn't do. You know, I'm not a starter. So, like, you know, some of my production is based on just how crazy JT goes. So, Days JT goes crazy. I mean, I mean, I guess me touches, but you know, on fantasy football, I got to hear about it. <laughs> but then there are other games where you might score three touchdowns, right? And like you're a fantasy hero, so oh yeah, yeah I'm I sure, get. I'm it. sure people hate me because right, they don't right, know. What, right. I don't know what I'm going to do that day, and they don't either. So I'm sure, like, <laughs> I'm a wild card. I'm sure people probably hate playing me. What is uh, what is one thing that like the general public doesn't know about what it's like to be an NFL player during the season? Because they just oh. see you on Sundays and they just oh. expect you to be out there. Oh, oh, yeah. this is one thing people don't know. Yeah, it's an everyday job. Like I'm here from eight to six every day. People don't really people think we just wake up and go to football. Like <laughs> I wake up, we wake up, we have walk through, we wake, we okay. So basically we wake up, we have meetings to get ready to practice. So we meet about practice, we walk through the practice, practice, then have film to go over the stuff they win practice. And that takes like 845 to like six. You do that Wednesday and Thursday, Friday you have another day. I think that's what people don't realize. Like, you work 40 hours. I'm, like, in the building 40 hours a week, probably. Just like the regular American. And people just think, like, we just play football for fun. It's an actual job. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and it feels like it, too. Even though I love it, it feels like a job. <laughs> right. I mean, you got to be on time. You got you got places and, to oh, be. And they, find us, and they find us if we're late. Like, your phone call the meetings, that's a fine. Like, and it's not, like, $500. It's probably, like, if you're late, it's, like, $2,000. Like, you missed a plane and you're late. You're late, you're, you're late for the plane. It's, like. 20, I don't know how much it is because nobody's got it, but I know it's like two or three thousand dollars. 
who's who's notoriously late? I don't know, man. Do we want to say this on the podcast? Yeah, screw it. I'll say I'm not notori- notoriously I'm not late. Notori- I'm not notoriously late, but I'm one of the last guys always out there. But I'm never late. <laughs> okay, that's what matters. I would football, be for three football, everybody's like five or ten minutes early, so y'all y'all know how practice is. If we have right. practice at one thirty. Everybody's out there at one twenty. Unfortunately, I'm that guy that's probably gonna run out at like one twenty seven, one twenty eight. But you're not giving out any money, so that's the important. Oh thing. no, I, I'm not late. I, that's I'm consistent. Like I've been I've been doing that for five years now. I've been consistent with being like three minutes early. <laughs> favorite part of the season, and least favorite part of the season. Least part, least favorite part. Oh, training camp. Oof. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Training camp. You know, like just oh, hot every year. pads. Like, look, I already know. Like, I ho- hopefully I play a long time, but I already know when I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire when I just don't want to do the training camp anymore. Training camp's hard, and training camp sets the tone, but, you know, you've been working out, and you got to go out there, you have three-hour practice or two-hour practice. Then you're there, what are we there, like eight to eight or eight to nine, like 12-hour day? <sighs> That's the hardest part. Uh, what's my – I don't know. My favorite part of the season? Kickoff? Probably the first game of the year, but honestly, it'd probably just be bye week. Honestly, <laughs> it's not even it's not even the fact that I get it's not even the fact that I don't love football. It's the fact that like you have training game, which is four weeks. Then you got a 17 week season. That's 20 something weeks from July to January. We play football. Yeah. So it's just great to have that one weekend or, you know, you get to go see your family decompress because once you get in the season, mode, you almost feel like a robot. Like I wake up every Monday, do the same thing every Tuesday, Wednesday and bye weeks at one time where you get to break that and feel like not human, but you just get to do your own thing and uh, just relax. Hmm. Um, we'll wind this down, but uh, I'm, I'm curious about just like a lot of random things. Uh, did you have a favorite player growing up? And if so, why? Who was it? Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a couple of favorite players. Uh, Steve Smith was one of my favorite players uh, mm-hmm. growing up. Just uh, Steve Smith and Steve Smith and Warwick Dunn were probably the first guys I watched that were my size. And like mm-hmm. looking at my dad and my mom, they're both the same height. I kind of always knew I was going to be the size and height I was. I just didn't know how fast I was going to be. So I think uh, Warwick Dunn was probably my favorite player, like as a younger kid, especially watching him play with Algie Crumpler and Mike Vick. And uh, Steve Smith and Warwick Dunn were probably the first two guys that uh, I really was like, oh, this short guys I can play that I saw. And then uh, even now, I mean, I got a lot of guys, but I, I like so Tyreek Hill's probably my favorite player. Like, I was going to ask you who, on, who like, you like watching. Like, yeah, who, who I love watching Tyreek. I love watching Tyreek Hill. Hopefully I'll get some of those looks, but uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch football all the time, but every time the Chiefs play, I've always watched him and Kelsey and uh, – yeah. I like all the speeches. Like I like Jalen, but uh, Tyreek Hill has definitely been probably my favorite guy to watch uh, on film and Debo because obviously Debo does a lot of things that I would like to do. Right. So it's it's pretty cool watching them suit those two guys. Never. It seems like you never worried about your size like holding you back. It seems like for even from an early age you were just like like I can yeah do because it. like yeah because everybody talks about it. my size yeah because everybody who talks about my size has obviously never been as fast as I've been so it, it sounds good but like you have to like that's why I say I don't really care about the size and stuff because even if you do catch me if we're one-on-one you still have a hard time tackling me just like JT you're scared of JT running you over I'm not the hardest person I'm not the easiest person to tackle even you get your arms on me I, I run hard so uh that's probably why I've never really been worried about it because my whole life I've always been fast and my size has actually never hindered me my whole life. It's just been words that have hindered me about my size, but it's actually never affected my play or stopped me from anything I want to do in my life. That's why I'm in the NFL. So that's how I just kind of feel about it. And at this point, if I had a dollar for every time somebody talked about my joke, I'd have trillions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> or call my arms shorter, just said something like that. So it's cool. Right, right. That's cool. Um, so 
this I know we've referenced this a few times, but like, you know, whenever you do get tired of going to training camp and you decide you're going to do something else, what uh, have you continued giving thought to like what the future holds for you? Because I know you've you've thought about this a lot. Um, what what are your thoughts these days on that? <laughs> yeah, I still do want to own a Bojangles if that's what everybody's wondering. <laughs> hey, as I long as it. you give us a discount, man. Hey, I will yeah, be I, there. Look, actually, I was driving to Nashville and I stopped at the closest one in Louisville. So I was just thinking about it like, dang, we need one two hours closer. But uh, I think that's still in play. I think that's probably like after my career. Uh, everybody's been asking me for four years, do I own one? Or there's a lot of misconception. That's something I probably will have to do after my NFL career, just to settle down and focus and figure that out. And um, honestly, working wise, uh, once my career's over, I like to be an analyst. So uh, I like to go on ESPN, talk Monday Night Football, and uh, maybe maybe be on a podcast. I'm not sure if I'm good like you guys, but I think I just want to look at the film and do breakdowns and play by play. Well, look, there's a reason uh, we you, requested you, man. So. You'd be great at it. You'd <laughs> yeah. be great at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get my practice in now. So uh actually the spring game this year, I I was on I was I did a couple of I did a drive or two. So uh started trying to get my foot in the door and uh work my way up and figure out things. I'll probably be calling you guys soon for some pointers. <laughs> ah, the shoe will be on the other foot. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is great, man. Um yeah, so just last thing I guess would just be um do you ever get a feel for a team like this time of year? I know we're so far away from opening day, right? But like all we can do is look at a team on paper. Do you have a feeling about this team? Does it feel like you guys have something? Do you can you tell? Uh, I don't say I have a feel for a team, but I like to think. I don't know. I, I'll go back to the quarterback. I mean, I got a good feeling about the quarterback. I'm not saying I'm not jinxing them or anything, but I've been around a lot of quarterbacks, and I think this is a good guy. Even uh, throughout the year, you never know how good how, te- how good the team will be because you know injuries and all that thing. But all those things. But playing with a lot of quarterbacks, you can tell when you got an elite guy who's special and you can take you places and that's kind of where i'm at i'm not sure how good the team is mm-hmm. will be but i know that the guy in the center will be very very good to us get us in the right place and help us win some games that's awesome it's that's crazy awesome. how that all worked out that's crazy like for those 10 days like who's it gonna be oh it's gonna be matt ryan like wow like they kind of got lucky like i didn't think that I'm was so happy happen. i didn't even pay attention to it people were calling me about it. i promise you after jacksonville i didn't even think about football for like a good <laughs> month or two i just went off and didn't even look at football <laughs> I just had to get away from it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jacksonville was tough. So, yeah, it was really, really tough. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, man. We get it. We were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get to check out either. That's the thing. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Y'all had to come here and do it all week. I got, I left on Wednesday. So, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, we won't have that again. We need to change that luck, too. I think that's one of the things that I don't know about um, us, but that's one thing I would love to do is change that history because I'm owing, like, at least all the guys that we're owing for there. We, we've played every Ross and one. So that's one thing I'm definitely excited for is to go down there. And uh, obviously they've had our number. So mm-hmm. they got some momentum. They got, they got, a, and they have a great team coming in too. On paper, they look like a really, really good team and they will be a good team. They're a tough team. They're a physical team. So uh, definitely going to look yeah, There's no way, that. there's no way you guys overestimate that going into this year. I don't care what the we, record is. Like there's no way. All, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a misconception. We've never underestimated there because we've right. never won there. Like ever since we had Andrew Luck and went down there and lost six zero, I have yet to underestimate the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a crazy <laughs> just, game. That's crazy. Yeah, only I think fans think we do, but I promise you, we don't take any opponent lightly. They, especially them. It's right. just we don't play well there for whatever reason, and we're gonna change that. All right, I'll hold you to it. Yes, All right, man. We so Thank appreciate this, Naheem. This is great. Um, hope the listeners enjoyed it. Um, so hey, he won't be our only. Uh, prominent guests here in the next couple weeks either so uh, we won't 
spoil the surprise, but we got somebody else lined up for you guys. So, hey, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer with Naheem Hines, Colts running back, damn it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget it. <laughs> and we appreciate you joining us, Naheem. Thank you guys for listening. And this is 1% Better. <laughs>